and all the time. God, we are blessed by your goodness. Lord, we thank you that even in our suffering, even in our pain and our hurt, you're faithful, you are good, you're close, you're near. And God, you are big enough to handle it. We thank you. And Lord, it's in the powerful and the precious name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated this morning. I'm glad that you chose to worship with us today. And uh, I got to say it again. God is good. And all the time. I want to just real quickly acknowledge if you uh, are a veteran, you've served uh, here in our country, would you, would you just stand for a moment? We want to honor you. All of our veterans, would you stand wherever you are at? Thank you. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you. We appreciate you men and women for your service. And, and because of your faithfulness to serve, we, we have the freedom to meet. Aren't you thankful for our freedoms? Thankful for those who served to protect our freedoms, and, and uh, we honor, to you, honor you today and, and say thank you. Uh, I invite you to find your way to Lamentations if you're not familiar with where that is. Good luck, goodwill hunting, but uh, just right after Jeremiah, between Ezekiel, that may not help you. It may help you, I don't know. If you don't know, there's a table of contents in the front of your Bible, so that'll help you as well. Or if you're on uh, Uversion Bible app, you can find all the notes there as well under the events and just look up, up Hallmark. Um, I do want to say something. I'm, 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 I'm going to st- step into some choppy waters right now. Uh, you guys okay with me doing that? You have no idea what these choppy waters are and you just said yes. Thank you for your trust in me. No, I, I want to honor my wife. Is that okay? Yeah. I'm not, I'm not going to make her come up here because that will make the waters more choppy. Uh, can you give her a hand? I want to thank her. Thank you, Joy. The uh, uh, ladies had a, a conference yesterday, and you have no idea how much work she put into that. Well, maybe you do, but probably you don't. But I just want to say thank you to her, and thank you to all the ladies who served and helped and, and uh, made a great event. Uh, Kathy, one of our new members, spoke and just heard she did an amazing job. Thank you, Kathy, for, yeah, we can give her a hand uh, for serving and uh, Hallmark, we're blessed. We have a lot of gifted ladies who serve and are willing to serve. And so I just say uh, thank you and thank you to my wife for leading so well in that. Um, this week we had some, a really cool conversation. Uh, I just wanted to share it with you. On Thursday, our uh, super seniors, they typically meet on the third, no, the second Thursday of every month. And, and so we already had Thanksgiving dinner. Can I say amen to that? How many of you were here for Thanksgiving meal on Thursday? So good. If you missed out, uh, too bad. Um, it was great. But we had a unique experience that uh, my wife, Joy, and I, we were sitting with three different people who had never experienced a Thanksgiving, traditional American Thanksgiving lunch, dinner, whatever you want to call it. And so they got, for the first time, a piece of apple pie. And it was very cool to watch them eat this apple pie. And then trying to explain to them, like, it's, you know, this is like the American dessert, right? When you think of America, it's like apple pie. And then I started thinking, I bet you they've never eaten pecan pie. 
or pecan pie, depending. Who's, who's pecan? Who's pecan? Oh, wow. We're, we're, we found something we're unified about. That was awesome. Anyways, but what was funny was to watch um, the people who were here for the event. Okay, the average age is beyond me. I'll put it that way. Super seniors, that should give you the, the idea, the demographic. Do you know at Super Seniors, they get their dessert first? I, I don't have a problem with that. I are them, okay? That's great. But there was like the gold rush. There was a rush on pecan pie. And I told my wife, she had told me that morning, all I want is a piece of pecan pie. And so I went and got, I, I secured one for her. I'm a good husband. There were people that doubted that I was getting it for her. <laughs> there was a rush. But so I was thinking they need a piece of pecan pie. But Joy had put hers up in the office and I knew better to go get that. But I found some pecan pie scraps that, you know, at, you know, you know the end of the, the, when all the pieces are gone and it's just all the goo in the middle. How many can say amen to that one? Yeah. I, someone had put all that on a plate. I was assuming no one had eaten off of it, but I wasn't going to eat it. So I got this scraps. This started out as a good story and it really turned dark, but I got this scraps. The, it's the good stuff. Please don't make me uh, feel bad. So I get this and I bring it to the table and if... If they were excited when they tasted the apple pie, the look on their face on the pecan pie. And then I tried to explain to them, this is kind of uniquely Texan, all right? And uh, so Texan, you want out on the pecan versus apple pie, okay? Who prefers pecan pie over apple pie? Who prefers apple pie? Okay, and back to disunity, here we go, that's all right. <laughs> Anyways, it has nothing to do with lamentation, but it's kind of heavy, so I thought we'd start out with something different. Uh, but I'm excited. Thanksgiving's around the corner. Can you believe that? Does it feel like it's really early this year? Well, it's not, but yeah, it is. Okay. It is a little early. Lamentations. Week one, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to walk through this very quickly, a quick review. Week one, we asked the question, do we take our sin as seriously as God does? You see, God is holy. And honestly, his wrath on us is a form of his rescue when we think about it. When we think about his wrath, we have to understand it's, it's not unjustifiable or uncontrolled anger upon us. When we think about his wrath, let's think in terms of righteous justice. Week two, we ask the question, will God give us more than we can handle? The truth is, yes, God will give us more than we can handle because he wants us to be dependent on him. And what a great place for us to get to, a place when we realize, you know the statement, right? When, when God is all you have, you realize God is all you, you need. And he's merciful in his judgment toward us because his discipline of his children is always merciful in drawing us back into his presence and to his protection. This week is the center of God's will, the safest place to be. Now this week, we're gonna, 
we're going to kind of run through chapter 3 pretty quickly because we, in a, in a few minutes, I have a video I want to show you. And so you're not going to maybe get all of the information today that I originally intended for you to get, but there are still some books available back on the back table that will give all the information that, that maybe, if you feel left out, all right, there's a few books left on the table for free, all right, uh, take those. But in chapter three, we continue the lament. Every week we've gone to the middle portion of chapter three and we've, we've seen like the, the glimmer of hope that just like all of a sudden comes from this verse and verse and poem and poem of lament and weeping and a, Jeremiah, known as the weeping prophet, sitting, a Jewish tradition would say, on the hill north of Jerusalem, looking at the destruction of the people and knowing for 40 years Jeremiah had pleaded and begged and preached and proclaimed, if you will repent, God will rescue you. If you continue in your sins, God will judge you. And he's, he sits there and laments. There's all of a sudden this chapter three, a few verses of hope. And we're going to get to that this morning in our text in chapter 3. Again, uh, there's five different poems, right? Five chapters, five poems. Uh, four of the chapters have 22 verses. This one has 66 verses. And we're not going to take the time to read them all today. But I want to, they're, they're kind of broken into four sections in chapter number 3. The first one is driven by God. Let me give you all four of them because we're going we're gonna to walk through them quick. We're going to spend not as much time on three. So if you're taking notes or you got a phone, you want to take a picture, you, you can have all of it right here up front um, because some of this we're going we're gonna to fly by. The first section, driven by God. Lamentations 3 verses 1 through 18. I am the man who has seen affliction by the rod of his wrath. And it transitions from being like a general terms of the people of Israel suffering and lamenting to Jeremiah the prophet, I am the man who's seen affliction by the rod of his wrath. And there's no doubt as you read these first 18 verses that Jeremiah, just like in chapter two, is not confused about where judgment is coming from. Although God is using the Babylonians to uh, overthrow the nation of Israel, Jeremiah knows that God is behind the Babylonians. God is the one that is bringing judgment. Verse two, he has led me and made me walk in darkness and not in light. Surely he has turned his hand against me time and time again throughout the day. You ever felt like God was against you? You ever felt like, like as he says here, God is leading me through the dark? You ever felt that? Shake your head. It's okay. I love this statement by Charles Spurgeon. I would sooner walk in the dark and hold hard to a promise of God than to trust in the light of a brightness day that ever dawned. Another way to put this, never doubt in the dark what God told you in the light. Verse four, he has aged my flesh and my skin and broken my bones. He has besieged me and surrounded me with bitterness and woe. He has set me in dark places like the dead of long ago. He has hedged me in so that I cannot get out. Do you notice that he has, like he's no, there's no doubt that God is behind this. Verse eight, even when I cry out and shout, he shuts out my prayer. He has blocked my ways with hewn stone. He has made my path 
crooked. Verse number 10, he has been to me a bear lying in wait, like a lion in ambush. He has turned aside my ways and torn me in pieces. He has made me desolate. He has bent his bow and set me up as a target for the arrow. He has caused the arrows of his quiver to pierce my loins. I have become the ridicule of all people, their taunting song all the day. Verse 15, he has filled me with bitterness. He has made me drink wormwood. He has also broken my teeth with gravel and covered me with ashes. You have moved my soul far from peace. I have forgotten prosperity. And I said, my strength and my hope have perished from the Lord. How depressing, right? How heavy it is to think that Jeremiah, he's he's not questioning where is the suffering coming from. He clearly states what he's experiencing, what he is feeling is as if God is leading him in the dark night, as if God has abandoned him, as God's arrow has come against him, God has forsaken him. It's almost a foreshadowing when you see the bitterness and the wormwood and the isolation of Jesus on the cross. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Driven by God. Section number two, though, the one glimmer of hope it seems like we get here and dare to hope. Lamentations 3, verse 19 through 21. Remember my affliction and roaming the wormwood and the gall, my soul still remembers and sinks within me. This I recall to mind, therefore I have hope. Here's a statement we often say. Stop listening to yourself, start preaching to yourself. Let me explain that for a moment. Jeremiah in his own thoughts in verses 1 through 18 is like all is lost. Despair, destruction, separation, isolation, my life is over. And when we get in our own thoughts, that's where we can easily go. Stop listening to yourself, start preaching to yourself. And Jeremiah shifts, and the only way that Jeremiah is gonna find hope in his despair is to remember the goodness of God to remember the character of God, to remember the faithfulness of God. In verse uh, 22, through the Lord's mercies, we are not consumed. As he sits in the cave and the destruction around him, it's almost as he says, well, it could be worse. We are not consumed. Why are we not consumed, he says, because his compassions fail not. Verse 22 says the Lord's mercies. This word mercy, the Hebrew word hased, basically means it's the word used for God's covenantal love. It's his loyal love. It's his love that he's promised for all eternity. And it's a reminder of Hebrews that says we have a hope in Christ. We have a hope in the one who cannot lie and will not lie. And it's as if Jeremiah is reminding himself in the middle of his suffering God has promised he is love. Verse 23, his mercies are new every morning. Great is your, what's the word? The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I hope in him. It's a good word. Is the Lord your portion? 
Is he enough for you? Are you content in him? When you come to the place where God is all you have, you realize God is all you, the Lord is my portion. Verse 25, the Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul who seeks him. It is good that one should hope and wait patiently for the salvation of the Lord. It is good for a man to bear the yoke in his youth. Wait patiently on the Lord. I want to skip down to section number three. Hearts and hands is the title given here. Verse 40. Lamentations 3 verse 40. Let us search out and examine our ways and turn back to the Lord. Verse 41. Let us lift our hearts and hands to God in heaven. Jeremiah again in the middle of destruction, calls to the nation of Israel and says, if you would repent, if you would turn back to God. And we've mentioned this, right? Sometimes our suffering is a result of our sin. And maybe it's a reminder for us this morning as quickly as we go by this that maybe you, maybe me, maybe we need to pray the prayer of David. Search my heart, O God. See if there's any wicked way in me. And when God reveals what is in us, we would be willing to repent and turn back to God. Turn our hearts and our hands back to the Savior. Number four. God hears and God sees. This yesterday, our ladies had a conference and uh, the, the theme was be fearless. And so Thursday, I had an opportunity that evening to watch the videos that the ladies would be watching. And one of, all of them were, were from ladies in our church who had been through seasons of, of maybe doubt or struggle or suffering. And when God spoke to them about fear not, like have faith and be fearless, God is with you. It's over and over in scripture we read that. And in one of the videos, I didn't know the story and, and to be honest, I was glad I was watching the video alone because I wept. And, and I struggled to, to show it with you because it is heavy. But what this video illustrates, so I'm warning you, get Kleenexes if you have them available. I've got, I've got mine right here. What this story of someone in our church struggled with spoke into my life was this is the picture of Lamentations. This is the picture of chapter three that in the midst of destruction and despair and when it seems like all hope is lost and you might have the reason to cry out, God, why have you forsaken me? That in the midst of that, this person, this family, could still say, God is good all the time. So watch this video with me this morning. When I was 15, I was diagnosed with endometriosis and I had no clue what that was at the time. I was basically told that I 
may never have children, and if I could have children, it would be extremely difficult to conceive. I, I decided to put it in God's hands and just keep on going. And when I was 18, um, I had already graduated, and I met this guy, <laughs> and we um, started to get close. And before we, um, our relationship got too far, I, I told him that I may never be able to give him children. And he put his hands on either side of my face and because he knew that's how he could get my attention. And he told me that if God wanted us to have children, we would have children. And uh, needless to say, I married him. Four months after we got married, I found out I was three months pregnant. And so it wasn't hard to conceive. <laughs> and uh, we had our first child. Uh, towards the end of my pregnancy, I started having a lot of dreams. Um, I felt like God was preparing me for what was to come. She was born, and shortly after she was born, while I was holding her, they uh, noticed that something wasn't right with her breathing, and they had to take her back. No one really knew what was going on with her. She was, she looked very healthy, but she was very sick, and um, we had to make a lot of decisions at an early age. You know, we were in our. I was 21, my husband was 22, and it was a lot to take in, and it was a lot of fear, but we put it all in God's hands. Her name was Hope Kirsten, and we learned all about hope, and I just prayed and asked God to give me the strength to be her mother, because I knew she needed me, even though she was dying, and for guidance. and knowledge and um, we sat around a table of all kinds of people, all kinds of doctors, the chaplain, and uh, we were told that there was nothing anybody could do for her and we could either leave her on the ventilator and let her die or take her off. And we chose for everybody to come and say their goodbyes and we took her off the ventilator. We took her outside because she'd never really been outside and feel the air on her. It was hot because it was in July and she died in our arms as we sang to her and prayed for her. And that was very hard to do. And they told us that it was extremely rare and they didn't think it would happen again. We really wanted to be parents and we were afraid of having more children because we didn't want to do that again. But um, we put it in God's hands once again. And we went on ahead and got pregnant again, not to replace the child that we lost, but we wanted a child. And exactly a year to the day, she wasn't supposed to be born that day, but exactly a year to the day, um, we gave birth to another child. Amber Joy. We learned all about God's joy. And born in the same room, same hospital, same staff. Everybody knew what had happened the year before. She was healthy and nothing was wrong with her. We went on to give birth to another child and we had a son, Jacob, and he was healthy as he could be as well. And then we had our fourth child. I started having some anxiety issues towards the end of that pregnancy and I felt like God 
was probably preparing me for that, what was to come for that one as well. Uh, shortly after she was born, they knew something wasn't right and we were doing it all over again. And they had to fly her here to Cook Children's again. <laughs> Megan Faith was her name. We never meant to call any of our children hope, joy, or faith. That was just what we felt God was calling us to call our children. And we learned all about faith. They knew exactly what to call the illness. They knew how to diagnose it and everything. It's a protein defect in the lungs. And if you're born with it, there's nothing they can do for you. She, uh, she fought hard. They said it's the equivalent of watching someone drown. <laughs> the hardest thing I've ever had to do was to call my children and watch them die. And I've had to do it twice. She made this horrible sound, and I thought I would never sleep again. I thought it would haunt me for the rest of my life. And I just prayed. I wish I could take her place. And I prayed that she would know that we loved her very much because her eyes looked at us like, please just save me. You know, Pastor John is always saying, God is good. And all the time, God is good. And I believe that because that night, we went back to the Ronald McDonald house where we were staying. And it's as though God just put me in his hands and he just held me. And I couldn't remember the sound anymore. I knew she made it, but I couldn't remember it. And I just slept like I hadn't slept in months. And that's when I found out I was pregnant with my fifth child. I cried, not because I didn't want the child, but because I was terrified. My heart had been broken in millions of pieces already and had slowly been put back together. And I was terrified. I was so afraid. When our fourth child passed away, God uh, made me see a song that I had seen my whole life. I knew the song, but I didn't know the song. And it's a hymnal. It was written by a man who lost his entire family except for his wife. And it's not known if he wrote it at the very spot that they died or if he wrote it later um, but it basically says the first part is whether everything in your life is going great or if everything in your life is turned upside down and you can't see the day of light whatever is going on it is well with my soul and I thought that's 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 what I want I know that that's when God showed me a verse in John 16, 33, and it, it says that it's Jesus talking, and he says, I've told you all these things because in this world you'll have many tribulations, but be of good cheer, for I have overcome this world. 
And I thought, you know, that's so true. We're going to have so many things happen to us in this world. And it's going to hurt, but it's going to be okay because He's right there beside us, walking beside us, giving us the strength to just keep on going. And we gave her the name Madison. We knew it was going to be a girl. My husband said we can't give her a middle name that we're going to have to learn anything about. <laughs> but then we, made, we realized that God wanted us to give her the middle name Grace. And my husband said, I guess we're going to have to learn all about Grace. We started showing our children by buying clothes and getting a crib that, yes, you're going to be afraid, but you can't let fear stop you. You can't let that keep you from doing what God has for you. I had to have an emergency C-section when I was, I still had two and a half months to go. She was in the NICU and she was born septic and I was septic as well. I uh, was rolled in to see her and I knew she was gonna be okay. I knew she didn't have the lung disease. God just gave me the peace that I needed so that I could heal. And we still had a ways to go before she could come home. And I started telling my kids, she's going to come home. And my oldest was afraid to get close to her. And I said, she's going to come home. You can't be afraid of her. And she started getting close to her. And they have a bond. They're complete opposites, but they have such a bond with each other. And uh, our verse for this is uh, 2 Timothy 1, 7. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but one of power, love, and sound judgment. We can't be afraid because He's right there beside you every step of the way. And people have always told me how strong I was to go through all these things, and I no, I am extremely weak. God just gave me the strength I needed in those circumstances. And He'll give you the strength you need. So don't be afraid. Live your life without fear. Can we just, uh, I want to say thank you to Mike, Michael and Krista and Madison. They're right there. Can we just give them a hand? I want to thank them for... <clears throat> thank you for letting us share your story. And it made me think, verse 55 of our chapter. I called on your name, O Lord, from the lowest pit. You ever been there, the lowest pit? And what does verse 56 say? You have heard my voice. That's powerful, isn't it? I cried out to you from my lowest pit. Oh, Lord, you have heard my voice. Do not hide your ear from my sign for my cry for help. Verse 57, 
you drew near on the day I called on you and said, what is the three words? Do not fear. Look, look at the screen with me. You drew near on the day I called on you and said, what is it? Do not fear. Oh, Lord, you have pleaded the case for my soul. You have redeemed my life. Oh, Lord, you have seen how I was wronged and you judge my case. You have seen all their vengeance, their schemes against me. What Jeremiah speaks to us today is that in our hurt, in our lament, when we cry out to God, he hears us. Are you thankful for that? I'm just going to ask you to close your eyes for a moment. Lamentations 3 reminds us that God is faithful and that God is good. The story that Krista shared with us today reminds us God is faithful and God is good. I just want you to sit in the moment. Maybe today you just need to, from your pit, cry out and know God hears you. God sees you. God cares. Lord, we thank you for your grace and your mercy. Thank you, Lord, for your word that reminds us that even in the deepest valleys, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod, your staff, they comfort me. We thank you for that. Thank you this morning for the faith of Michael and Krista and just a reminder of, Lord, even in the darkness, you're there. I'm gonna ask you to stand with me this morning. We're just gonna close out this service singing of the faithfulness of God and the goodness of God and just worshiping through music together.